Thank you for listening to the following films podcast. Today, my guest is Rachel Boynton, director of the new film Civil War, or Who Do We Think We Are? The documentary film is a timely and probing look at how Americans tell the story of their civil war and its legacy of slavery and racism. The film is currently available on Peacock. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. Where did you grow up? In Georgia. Where in Georgia? A town called Winder. It's about as big as it sounds. Okay. It sounds small. Yeah. My my father's family is originally from Georgia. Okay. Um, but he, my father grew up in New York, in a place called Tuxedo Park, New York, which is outside of the city. Um, that said, I have relatives in Georgia, and I love Georgia, uh, so I'm well familiar with the state. Um I, I, I spent time in Stone Mountain also. So I think that really, yeah. so yeah. that that really just the sh- living under the shadow of that mountain in my formative years, I think that goes a long way in um, why I needed a film like this. Well, I really appreciate you saying that. Um, I I think I'm just a little bit too young to have made it 30 years ago. <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm proud of it now. I'm glad that it's in the world. Um, one of the things I'm glad about is that I think it's a film that invites everyone in. At least that was my goal with it. I was making a film for people who might be on the edge of how they feel. It's not just for the pre-converted. It's a film that is intending to be a reflection of where we are right now as a country and to provoke questions in the people watching it about how they were raised and what they learned and what their grandparents told them and what their grandparents' grandparents told them as they were being raised. So um, it's a film that's really designed to make you ask questions of yourself. So I'm glad to hear that it did that for you. Well, yeah, there's a, it's very easy to, when you have an epiphany or you change an opinion, you come to a strong side on something and to look at those that differ than you in a negative light, like, why aren't you where I am now? You should have figured this out by now. Um, and to, that completely discounts the way that my father was raised and the way that his father was raised and that connection to it that they had to their past and the way that this was told to them, these stories were told and passed on. It's not to say that their beliefs, I honestly do feel that they're dangerous and they need to, they need to be addressed, but there needs to be empathy as opposed to just pointing a finger in that situation. Yeah. I mean, my goal with the film was always to meet people where they were and to deal with how they're feeling right? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times when you try to have a conversation purely about facts with people who um, were taught the wrong facts from a very, just wrong. We have to be very clear about this. Wrong facts, um, not facts, (laughs) Um, but taught them as facts, this lost cause myth, this old South myth from a very young age. It's, it is not self-evident for people to just abandon what they were taught um, for their entire lives. And you have to remember, too, that these histories are super personal. They're about families. And they're about, you know, there's that one girl in the film who talks about how her grandparents have a Confederate flag just sitting up above the cabinet, right? Yeah. These these histories are held onto by Southern families, often white families, in a very uh, personal way. And they don't think of that flag as being racist because... They were taught that it wasn't. They were taught that it was a symbol of Southern pride. The reality is that flag is a racist symbol. It's always been a racist symbol. 
It's just that people weren't white people in particular, but not just white people. Americans in in general, were not taught the truth about their past quite purposefully. And so there's a lot of correcting that needs to happen now. And I don't think it's fair to expect it to happen in a flash overnight. But I do think that if we are empathetic and at the same time insistent about what the truth actually is, we can make progress. I mean, we're not going to bring along everybody. Not Everybody isn't going to agree on this. But there are lots of people who can be led to understand the truth who haven't necessarily seen it before. Well, and, and I, I think you're right about that. Um, there are times when I worry though, that the, the messenger can kill the message sometimes and that we can beat down um, and insult the person because of their beliefs. And it, I mean, if anything of the last four years has taught us, it's that we really do need to listen to each other more. Um, we have to be open to dialogue and especially with people that disagree with us because the other side, it's, it's not pretty. Yeah. I think there's a real movement artistically in America right now to um, squelch voices that we don't want to hear that we think are wrong to um, tell people that they should sort of stay in their lane in terms of what subjects they're allowed to talk about. Um, all of that I think is, is wrongheaded, but I understand where it comes from. And I think we're in a very complicated moment where, you know, people are angry and they want change now. And that's good. There's a, there's real room for anger right now and real room for impassioned rage and demands for change. We need that. We need that. In addition to the empathy, we need both. Um, and so my film is really a film that, like I said, is hoping to invite people in. It's, in, it's hoping to, it, it also, I think it's kind of fun because it takes you all around the country. It takes you into these classrooms and lets you see how people are learning now, which by the way, is very different from how I was taught. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, the film is a window into worlds that you might not necessarily get to see into if, if you didn't watch the film. And I agree with you. I think it's by listening to each other and watching each other in the films like this, that we can come to a greater understanding. Well, and I was really grateful for seeing these different teachers approach to handling this particular subject and the way the students interact with the material. Um, and, and there's several of these kids that they're, you know, it's, you can hear their parents talking. You can hear the, you can hear the, voices coming through of it's more parroting than actual thought at that moment. They're repeating the things that have been told to them. Um, and you can hear kids that are actually struggling with this and moving through it and trying to have those breakthroughs and put things together in that way. And that's something that's, it, it rang absolutely true to the way that I was taught in that sense. Um, and that I remember kids just repeating things when you would learn history that they had heard at home instead of this slightly different take on it that might be more accurate. Well, when we're young, when we're in middle school or high school or elementary school, we come into the classroom from our household. <laughs> we, yeah. we, we have not yet left the nest. We haven't fully formed as adults with our own adult thoughts. And so a lot of, a lot of these younger kids in the film really are reflections of the households that they came from. And that in and of itself is super interesting. Where were you taught 
Where did you go to school? Well, I, I mean, I not unlike your family's path where I went to, I was raised in Georgia, but then I moved to New Jersey, Northeast New Jersey. So I was going to New York quite a bit. And then I went back to Georgia, then to Delaware, and then went to school in Arizona. So kind of all over the place. But um, so I had a good mix of that. And there's, I'm incredibly thankful for those moves because I see the person that I am now. And I think that moving and being open to different cultures is what, it was a huge part of taping who I am today. And when I was in the ninth grade, I was going, if you count preschool and kindergarten, I was going to my ninth school. Oh my God. Um, yeah. I, I moved. I didn't move between the South and the North so much. I was born in Colorado, but my parents were divorced when I was nine months old and I was raised by my mom and she kind of couldn't sit still. I don't really know why we moved as much as we moved. We moved a lot. And I always joked that that made me a documentary filmmaker because over the course of my nerdy childhood, I sort of, I had to, I was forced to figure out how to get along with lots of different kinds of people and, and how to be curious, how to be open when you go into a space that you really don't understand or know. Well, Colorado is one of those states that has such an interesting blend in its population of really, really right wing, really left wing, and just all over the place. And they seem to figure it out okay there uh, somehow. You know, I I was only born there. I didn't spend a lot of time there. Oh, okay. But I've gone back there quite a bit as an adult. Um, and it's a crazy, it's a kind of a, well, it's a stunningly gorgeous state. Oh, yeah, for I sure. Love about it. Um, but you're right. It's a, it's a place with a lot of contradictions. I think America is a place with a lot of contradictions. Well, one of the main contradictions I think that we have in something that you're addressing is we, we have these stories that we like to tell about ourselves. Um, we have these ideas that we hold up, these sort of truths that we accept that are told that are that we're the greatest country, the freest country, all these things. There's And anything that contradicts that story is something that's just pushed out automatically. Um, you know, the, the fact that we start our day with the Pledge of Allegiance, um, and it seems like questioning should be a part of that because I see patriotism as something that involves holding the powers that be to the responsibility, not just blindly following. So I, I, I have a, there's certain things, like a lot of things in our country, there's big contradictions from very early on. Well, I think, you know, one of the things the film is doing is it's pointing out these, there's a, there's a through line in the movie that's basically yeah. David Blight, this professor at Yale, who's talking about the history. <laughs> and that through line is there so that we're all very clear on the facts. <laughs> so that there's somebody in the movie who, who is telling us, what the history actually is so that when we go into these other spaces, we at least can feel like we're grounded in some kind of reality. Um, a lot of those facts, as we were saying before, really weren't taught for a long period of time. And for example, right now, there's this whole dialogue going on about critical race theory. In It belongs in law school, not in high schools. Right, it's not something thing, which is, yeah. Like, First of all, it's a complete misunderstanding of what critical race theory is. 100%, yeah. But, <laughs> but this, what critical race theory is about is it's about um, identifying the parts of American law and American institutions that have had racism baked in to how they function, right? Like the three-fifths 
part of the constitution. You're where enslaved people were considered three fifths of a person in order to increase the population of Southern states when the constitution was written. Um, There are many places like that where these ideas have been baked in to the way we live. To say that out loud is not unpatriotic. It's fundamentally patriotic to, to recognize the places where we can improve, to see the things that we can do better. And I think one of the things that the film is really calling for is it's calling for this kind of radical empathy across the board, not just when it comes to issues of race, but like that where we allow people to define who they are, to tell us how they want to be seen, to where we as a country reexamine who gets to call themselves an American and who we give voice to and who our system is going to represent. who gets to tell the story? I think that's that's hugely important is who's telling that story. Um, and you, you have to take into account that people are tied to their stories, to their personal histories, to those things. And that that's, you're mixing these two things that when they collide, it's, it's just a powder keg when you have emotion and you have truth, when you have fact. And those two things... They can overlap, but they're not. They're frequently not the same thing. My emotional truth about an event that I've experienced is way different than the actual facts of what happened. Yeah. Well, and I, when we were cutting the movie, I was always saying to the editor that you know the the film is this series of scenes, basically, as we're tra- as all filmed all over the country in different spaces, where people are talking about how they feel about the war, relating stories about the war, and collectively these these bubbles, as I was calling them in the cutting room, form this tapestry that's intended to be kind of a reflection of our country right now. And, but we would talk about the stories or the scenes as bubbles. And I would say that I really wanted them to be defined by feeling what, like making sure that in how we edited things and how we strung them together, that we were always led by the emotional content of the moment and not just by what we were trying to prove or what we were trying to teach. It's a film that's guided by feelings. In yeah. Did you find yourself removing pieces that were too harsh one way or the other? Because um, it felt like it was getting borderline that if it would have stayed on particular individuals for more than where it was that it may have gotten, well, you would have no. lost empathy. I mean, I cut out all the easy people to hate. Okay. Like, 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 or, or the people that like you could easily make fun of Mm -hmm. and laugh at. I cut those people. Some of those scenes were fantastic. I had some really wonderful scenes, but at the end of the day, if it wasn't emotionally complicated, I didn't want it in the movie. Mm. If it was too easy, I didn't want it in the film. It's sort of counterintuitive these days, but, like, but that's, that was the choice I made. I don't know. Well, I, I think that becomes transparent though. When you, I mean, every documentary film is a story and it has a point of view that's being told. There's no, once you point a camera at something, it's no longer objective. You're telling, once you start cutting it, it's way far removed from objective, okay. but you need to try to have those strings removed as much as possible and have that so that it is, as objective as possible um, in that way, I think. I wouldn't use the word objective. I would use the word 
Objective is the wrong word. Everyone, sure. when they watch my work, they are always calling it objective. It's not objective. Um, I see layers in things. I see layers of truth. I don't see things as being simple. This is not to say, I mean, we are talking about a subject here where we have, as I said before, we have to be super clear about truth. We cannot be equivocal about what the lies have been and what white supremacy is and how it has controlled the structure of how we all live, the neighborhoods we live in, the schools we went to, the churches we go to, um, the, the places we send our children to summer camp. They're defined or if you send them to summer camp at all, it's defined by white supremacy, right? And, and, and that results in separation. We need to be super clear about that. That said, um, it's, there are levels of, all of that is complicated by the way people feel, by personal histories, by family ties, um, by the desire to be part of some noble truth, right? To be reflected, to tell a story, as David Blight says, that makes you feel safe at night, right? That makes you feel like the history makes your people noble people. Nobody wants to feel like their people weren't noble people. And those, those layers make everything complicated. So we need to be open. We don't need to be objective but we do need to be open to the way people feel, even as we insist on the truth. I can see the difference there. That, that, that does make sense to me. I just, um, I wonder when you're, when you're seeking that out though, um, I, I, I'm trying to think of a way to put this where um, the comfort idea of it, those things that you say, they might give you comfort to have this warm story. But the idea that there's this other side of it is actually it's very discomforting to me um, that there are the, these issues in our society that, that affect race, they affect gender, they affect religion, all these things that I feel a sense of guilt, which is I, I don't have I, I don't have an answer. Yeah. <laughs> there's nothing. I mean, look, I think guilt is a big part of this. I don't think there's any I would never tell you you should feel guilt or you're like, but I think guilt, there's a, can't remember if I put it in the movie. There is a kid that mentions that the guilt's a good thing. I put that in the movie? I did. Mm -hmm. There's a follow-up question that I cut where there's that kid who says, is talking about guilt. And I ask him, is guilt a good thing? And he says, yes. And I say, why? And he says, because it can lead you to do things differently in the future. Basically. And then my follow-up question was something like, are you Catholic? (laughs) He says, (laughs) Yes. And then we, we went to this whole thing about religion. Oh, that's like a great out. button. Yeah, no, I kept it in for the longest time. I loved it, but it didn't make any sense. So I cut it out. But um, I do think, I mean, I think we need to be, especially white people, you and I sitting on this call, we're both white, right? And so yeah. talking about this, I am very conscious of the fact that when I say we need to be open to other people's feelings, I am not a black woman walking down the street, having mm. people you know, insult me or treat, I mean, I do have as a woman, my own experiences, but I'm just saying like, I am coming to this issue from a privileged white point of view. I am aware of that. So it's easier for somebody like me to, to say, oh, gee, we need to be open to how people feel, right? That needs to be acknowledged. Um, but I, I just think 
we're not, as a nation, we are such a diverse nation and we have been so divided um, over time by these stories. Not, I mean, not exclusively by these stories, but we've been taught a story that was designed to make certain people, like I used to wonder, why is it when I'm learning about history that they're all white men? Why am I not in the books? I would wonder that all the time as a kid. Like, what were the women doing? And I remember when I got to college, I got into this argument with my first boyfriend. He was sort of playing devil's advocate. And he's like, well, you know, men must be smarter than women because look at everything they did in history. And I didn't have, I didn't have, I was completely dumbfounded. I didn't have the words to argue with him. Mm -hmm. I do now, (laughs) but I didn't then. And I, I don't know what I am babbling now, but I just, Mm -hmm. I think that we, we need to be open to feeling uncomfortable. We need to insist on the truth. We can't be so namby-pamby and understanding about each other's feelings that we let the truth fade into the background. Um, but we do have to be gentle with each other because we're coming from a place where we have been taught false narratives. I think that's a good place to start, at the very yeah, least. It's the with, it's yeah, the it, it's recognizing that piece of it. Um, it's just the often white, affluent liberals we can come across in the way the, the wrong ways. Our hearts are in the right place, but we can really fuck things up when we try to, you know, try to, okay, well, tell me what to do. We have to, you know, guide me through this kind of thing. It's removing a level of responsibility that you have in it that I think we have to own more of it and be a part of the solution instead of just being, okay, tell me what to do. I hear that all the time and it actually really pisses me off. Excuse me. Oh, which part of it? Then what I just said? No, 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 no. Just this (laughs) idea that that white people are supposed to listen, Hmm. which of course white people need to listen more. There's no question that white people need to listen more. But this is kind of fundamentally a white problem. Like we need to do more than just listen. You know, we need to be asking ourselves some, we meaning white people, need to be asking some really hard questions about how we as white people live and and what choices we're making. And as, as one woman says in the film, you know, there's been so much inequality over time, real equality is gonna require some sacrifice. That's scary, right? Yeah. When we talk about that, when we really talk about that, that's scary for people. But it's true, like we're gonna have to, all those people with little white children are gonna have to give up that certainty that their child is gonna get a leg up because they're white. If we're really gonna have an equal society. Um, And that's that's a certainty that people, white people have, you know, thought was their privilege here for a very long time. They're right. Yeah, and it's the um, not in my backyard. Yes. Kind of that that mentality that you hear all the time now. The um, yeah, this is something we need to do, but not in my neighborhood. Not here. It's so like my, I live in Brooklyn, and I live in a lovely neighborhood filled with lots of lovely white people. And <laughs> while I was making this film, I had this revelation that I was sending both of my children to the local public school, thinking I'm doing a good thing, sending them to public school. And it was like this white school because it's yeah. a white neighborhood that's a zoned school. And um, one of them was in the French program, which I thought I was going to keep her in because I wanted her to learn French. 
But the other one I pulled out of the school and put her in another school in the city that's infinitely more diverse. And I felt so much better about taking her to school every day and knowing that she was in a place that reflected the city we live in um, and the reality of the world that she's going to go into and have to find her way in rather than living in a little cloistered environment, right? Well, Um, what do you think is the better educational opportunity for her in that moment? Because there's one side of education that's defined by an SAT score or a state standard or something along those lines, but then there's the other side of actual education and exposure to the world around them as it exists. And you'll probably have that the more diverse the population of the school is. I personally think that when a kid is young in particular, um, this is, it's a complicated question because the reality is a lot of these more diverse schools often have fewer resources. So they don't have like, when she started at this new school, there was no air conditioning. They never went on field trips. Um, She didn't have any of the perks that she had at her nice little white school because the PTA at this new school didn't have any money or it had some money, but it didn't have as any money compared to this school that she had left. Um, And her dad and I made the decision together that um, in the end, those field trips and the air conditioning were not what we cared about because we will take her to the museums um, and she can have air conditioning when she comes home. Um, But being in an environment where she's going to learn about people who she wouldn't necessarily learn about if she just stayed in her little white world, that's important to me in terms of raising a child who's going to be engaged in the world in an open way where she doesn't see herself as better than or separate from anybody. But it also requires me as a parent to invest in that school. I can't just send my kid there, right? I have to do what I can. If it's money, if it's time, if it's, you have to not just do the superficial thing, but go take the next step, which is how do I support everyone in this community? Um, we're getting way beyond the film. No, 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 no. <laughs> that, it, that's, that's just as a parent of a 10 year old and a five year old, that's a, it's just a subject yeah. that's very in, yeah. important to me. And it's something that I think that it's, it, it does tie into this though, because the um, the fact that you have property tax tied to education is just another way that there's a systemic issue with this and the quality of education is not something that's equal. But we have to take ownership of the choice. No, no, yes, yes, yeah. Like, where are you sending your children to school? Um, one of them, I send them to, he goes to the school that is most appropriate for him. He has special needs. So we had to find the school that was, um, and when we bought our house, we were, shopping by the quality of the school districts that's true yeah so that's what we did and the the older child there's a school that he goes to it's a different school because he's in the gym program and the gifted program and so it's just that we had we're trying to support them and meet them where they are for what their specific needs are i think as parents we have to do i mean i have an eight-year-old and a 10-year-old so i'm in a very similar circumstance and you know we all we're making the decisions that we think are best for our children. I just think that in the equation of the decisions that we're making as white parents, we need to incorporate the thought that we have to be intentional 
about what we are exposing our children to. You know, how are you helping your child or children develop a consciousness about race and equity and what America is? Hmm. What spaces are you exposing them to? Maybe you send them to a, you know, a a local summer day camp where they're going to be with kids who are more diverse than the schools that they normally go to. Maybe they're in a Girl Scout troop or a Boy Scout troop or something. Like maybe it's a soccer team, but whatever it is that you're, I think it's important for, for me anyway, um, to, to be intentional about the, how I am guiding my children. You have to be. Issues of race specifically. Yeah. I mean, my, my kids are, um, I, I live 60 miles from the Mexican border. So we have a very diverse culture here. Uh, my wife is half Mexican. So there's, this is a big piece of their culture and it's something that I can't speak to. Um, and so it's something that is part of who they are though. And I want to make sure that they have that connection though. And it's also true. You know, our families are, are diverse families. Like I, as I was making this film, it happened many times where people would say to me, um, I don't know who's in your family. I don't know who your children are. Like, you can't look at somebody and assume in this country that you know who they're married to or yeah. who their offspring are. Like, it, it, we are a fundamentally integrated society, even as we're segregated. Um, and we are all related to each other. <laughs> and it makes it all the more important that we figure out a way to navigate and to be Really, truly, I think a big piece of the puzzle here is just saying it out loud, learning how to talk about race, learning how to talk about equity, learning, you know, as we were making the film, immigration as an issue was a huge issue in the country. And we toyed with like trying to fit it in somehow, because of course, this question of who gets to be an American, who is defined as an American, a real American, is is a big part of this movie. who is part of the American story. Uh, and that is something that goes beyond just issues of black and white. So. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that the important part is just the asking questions and having conversations. And your film is absolutely one of those ones that will be doing that. This is something that sparked conversations around my house. And it's something that I... I, I might be scared to watch it with my uh, family afterwards. <laughs> Tell me how it goes. I, you know, I mean, my main goal with this film was really to have people see it together. I yeah. didn't, you know, I didn't envision people like sitting in their little, you know, living rooms, watching it by themselves. I didn't envision COVID ever. Um, no. <laughs> but I really always hoped to have the film and, seen in groups and then talked about afterwards. Hopefully this is a lot. This is a lobby movie. The movie that ever you just strike up conversations with people in the lobby of the theater. This is where exactly. I wanted to see this. Yeah, exactly. It's a film where I want you to come out of the movie, like turning to the person you don't know going, Oh my God, could you believe such and such? Or like, I completely disagree with you. It's, it's, it's a film that invites because it is not a didactic film because it's not, I mean, it is didactic in terms of the actual history, but it's not a film that's telling people exactly what they're supposed to think. It's a film that's trying to, like I said, hold up a mirror to people. By doing that, it's inviting the audience to ask themselves questions and to ask each other questions. 
And that's what I want from this film more than anything. And that's the mark of a good film. It's those moments where you are uncomfortable because you are looking at yourself in the mirror. And that, that's to me, um, the most rewarding film going experiences when I do question myself and I second guess myself and the things that I'm sure of, I have to stop in my tracks for a minute and think about it. And it, it's a great film. This is something that I'm glad that people are going to be able to see this. So um, it's, it's an important one right now for sure. Yay. And I really appreciate you saying that out loud. Thank you. That's yeah. Nice. Well, no, no, no. I mean, it's, a, well, one thing I, 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 I guess I've always felt it's really important to thank an artist <laughs> um, because I, I, I'm a big consumer of art and I know how difficult that process can be to go through that and um, to get anything made is a minor miracle and to actually make something that's good is on a whole nother level. And you've had multiple now at this point. So it's kind of, you, you kind of pissed me off in that way. You've made like too many like good movies for somebody <laughs> your age. It's like, you know, fuck you, you see, come on. Did you see Big Man? I did. Yes. Oh yeah. Cause it's a, te- you're in Texas, right? Are you in Texas? Uh, I'm in Arizona. You're so. in Arizona. Okay. So close enough. But um <laughs> well, I'm familiar with it. So yeah. yes. Um, but yeah, that's a film that touches on Southern feeling too, actually, in its way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think all of these do. All of your films that you've made, they all touch on that idea of um questioning the things that you know the truth. And they're all going back to that. If there's one overarching thing, I would say that's probably it. Well, for me, I think people always ask me like, how do you pick your subject matter? And I always say, you know, you have the right subject when you keep thinking about it, when you wake Mm. up and you're still thinking about it yours and yours and yours. And I think the theme that I see in the subjects that I've ended up sticking with is I'm interested in fundamental questions about the way we live. Right. My first film was about democracy. My second film was about capitalism. My third film is about race and history. Right now, I'm thinking about climate. Um, like, you know, I'm like, <laughs> like, I'm attracted to these issues that are like very fundamental issues about how we live together as a society um, and the rules that define us. I, and these are all, they're, they're, it's a place that we need to put our heads a little bit more frequently because it's hopefully, hopefully with good stories, right? I mean, it, of course, I, mean, like, I, 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 I don't want to be lectured. No, no I'm done. who wants to lecture? I mean, that's the thing is like, I really enjoy films where my favorite documentaries are films where I feel like you can watch them in 30 years time from when they were made and understand something about the time and that they came from. They're like mm. these little treasure boxes that preserve something fundamental and true about the moment that they came from. And there's that, those ones that are a step further where they're very true to that moment in time in history to act as a time capsule but they're still relatable where yeah. the, the, the existential crisis, the whatever that thing is that they're going through at that moment is still something that we're grappling with wrestling with today. Those yeah. are the great ones. The fundamentally yeah. human, the things that, that, that speak to the essentially human. Over. Absolutely. So where can pe- Peacock is where people will be able to well, see the film. That's, okay. that's where you can see it right now. I'm going to do, I don't know if I'm going to get to Arizona, but in the fall, I'm going to try and do a theatrical with it. Outstanding. Yeah, it's, I, I want. If anyone out there has money for me, tell me. <laughs> but um, I'm. It's important. It's always been like I said, really important to me to show it in spaces where people can talk about it afterwards, especially in the places where I filmed. Um, so, and I filmed all over the country. So I want 
I want to really encourage conversations around this movie in any way I can. But the way to see it right now, if you would like to see it, is on Peacock. And I don't think you have to worry about encouraging conversation. It's it's going to happen. It, it just, <laughs> it's just it's it's baked into it. So well, you got to watch it first. That's well, yes, of course. <laughs> Once you watch it, I think that will happen. That's the encouragement is to watch the film, and then yeah. the conversation will be a natural. Oh, you know, it'll happen for sure. But thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I, I really loved the film. I was really touched by it, and I I want more. So when you come out with this next one on climate, I'm as much as I don't want to see it, I really want to see it. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, and I will keep you posted. Okay, excellent. Take care, Rachel. Thank you so much. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Time enough to figure you out. Time enough to write this down. Wish me luck. Give me hope.
voice crack.